the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNW presents... New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. If you have a money question for the show, shoot me an email. Love to get your emails. Gives me content for the show and uh, just do that, chat at chadburton.com or go to chadburton.com and check out the website while you're there. All right, lots of kind of college talk and college questions lately. My second son, Eli, graduated from high school at the ceremony Friday, the party on Saturday, and uh, he's got all these kids going off to college. Um, so this one, anyway, my first son is about to graduate from Texas Tech. That's a great school, but it's Lubbock, Texas. Not a fun place to visit. This one's going to University of Hawaii in Oahu. So I'm not sad about visiting <laughs> Hawaii a lot more often, that's for sure. So University of Hawaii has got a pretty good personal financial planning degree program. And uh, so he's excited to go there. And I'm also starting to get all these questions from other clients. The kids are going to college this time of year. And a lot of it has to do with like, okay, just how do we pay for stuff and fund things? Um, I got a call from my friend David, and his daughter had a savings account at, at their bank. Um, and the savings account was called a California UTMA account. And the way that UTMA account stands, it stands for Uniform Transfer to Minor Account. And it's a way to set up an account, an, a savings account or an investment account at TD or Schwab, whatever brokerage firm you want to. And you're in control of the account until the child is 18 in most states. Now in California, you can check a box and have control of that account all the way till age 25 if you want, where you as the parent are in control of that account even when the child is you know, all the way up to 25 years old. Now, what's interesting in uh, my kids in the state of Washington where I set up their trading accounts at TD Ameritrade, at, shortly after they turned 18, one was right away. The other one, when they turned 18, it took about six months and all of a sudden, the, the accounts were locked. Nobody could place a trade on them, get money in or out. They had to go in and fill out the paperwork to retain 100% control of those accounts as adults. So my name was no longer tied to them. And now they're you know, managing the account on their own and, and doing whatever they want with it. That's the drawbacks of a UTMA. The kid could end up being awful with money. And no matter what, that account still goes to them at age 18 or all the way up to age 25 if you're in California and you check the proper box. Now, you as custodian, as the parent, you know you can spend that money on them however you see fit. So you, if you get a kid and they're 10, 11 years old and 
maybe they're just going down the wrong track or whatever, or you're a little worried at all. They're not going to be responsible for the money. Just spend it on them. They need a laptop for school, buy it. They need to pay for sports, pay for it out of the account. There is ways to legally drain the account if you're spending it on the child. So just keep that in mind. But in this case, I said, hey, look, you got to go into the bank and figure out what age is on this UTMA account. Because the last thing you want to have happen is, you know, daughter gets to school, she's 18, a couple months go by, and she's trying to spend money. And all of a sudden, the bank blocks the account because they need new paperwork and she's off to college somewhere. And, you know, it's kind of a, a hassle. So, um, they're going to go into the bank, find out what age that she's retains control. If it's 25, no big deal, but they want to make sure that they can get an ATM card on it and that it's tied to his login, which is what I have for my kids' bank accounts. They're tied to my login for my bank. And so if there's a money need, I can just pop online, transfer them 50 bucks. Um, in the case of college, you know, here's, here's enough money to go buy the books, whatever it may be. Um, so you have to kind of be aware of those situations. The other thing that uh, David asked was, so if we get her an ATM, how do I still get her a credit card? That's, that's a question. Do you really want your kid to have a credit card? Now, just some of this stuff, you know, I deal with retirement planning, estate planning. So some of this stuff when my son went to college was also a little bit new to me. What I decided to do, because I was kind of getting sick of, you know, dealing with the transfer money thing and they was totally responsible for money. It wasn't an issue. So I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll get, a, I'll get an, another card on my points account. So I have a certain card that I use all the time where I get points on it, some cash back points. And um, so what I decided to do is, okay, well, I'll get a card in his name. So at least whatever he's spending, I can track it and I can get, at least get some points out of it. What was annoying about that is they put it on my same account. So there wasn't a, you know, here's what this card is spending. Here's what the other card is spending. The credit is in my name with an, him as an authorized user. So it doesn't do anything for either one of us besides get a couple of points, right? It's not building his credit at all. In fact, we did a credit app uh, search at school because he's in the personal financial planning degree program. It kind of showed up, but not really. And then it wasn't breaking out those expenses automatically for me. I had to still go in and break them out myself. So that one, that didn't work too great. Um, but the other thing is that, you know, you're an 18 year old kid. So how do you get a card and get credit um, without parents co-signing it and having a whole other account to deal with? Um, so it reminded me a couple years ago, my brother went to work. He's a, he's a computer guy. He's a programmer. So he went to work at a company called self.inc. And so, um, you know, he's, thinks pretty highly of the company. Obviously, he works there for the last couple of years. And Self.Inc. is kind of a specialty. They help people build and in some cases rebuild credit. And it's not a new concept. There's been concepts like this before where you, to, in order to build credit again, you make a deposit and then you have a credit card tied to that deposit. It doesn't let you overcharge above what you've deposited. So you can kind of rebuild your credit. So what it is in this case, if you check out Self.Inc., and um, my brother, when I was talking to him today about it, said, make sure you know I have a referral code so I can get that to you if you want to email me, chat at chadburton.com. I, I have not used this yet, but I'm setting it up for my son before he goes to college. Uh, but what it is, is a loan and it's in a bank held certificate deposit. It's a CD that you pay off in monthly installments. And so... That is kind of how that they can they can build credit. So you could essentially 
you know, make the deposit in the CD, they get a card, they can use it as a credit card and, and eventually build some credit. So that's the step bill, first step, which is the safe credit builder account. So you set that account up where you make a deposit, you do a loan, you make the, the payments. Each monthly payment gets reported to all three credit bureaus, which is like 35% of a, current, a person's credit score. And then once you have, I believe it's like three payments successful on that thing, you can get the self-Visa credit card and the next tool for building credit. So if you're trying to figure out a way to you know, teach a kid, okay, you got to create a budget. That's what my son and I are doing this next week. I'm you know, kind of concerned that it's Hawaii. It's a lot more expensive for room and board and, and food because the, the kid has this idea that he's going to eat you know, two poke bowls a day. And I'm like, oh, you're going to eat some top ramen like dad did. But anyway, um, the idea that we figure out a tool that not only helps him budget, keep an eye on expenses, but builds credit at the same time. So I think that's that's pretty cool. So I'm going to check it out. You might want to check it out too. That's self.inc. That's S-E-L-F dot inc. So that's all you write in the URL. You don't have to do .com or anything else. Self.inc. So check it out. Um, you know, this is not an advertisement forum. I have not yet used them. But let me know what you think. And if you have any budgeting tools that you like to do with your kids, uh, so far, my first son, just super good with money, was working the whole time too. I didn't have a lot of concerns about budgeting issues with him. This one's probably going to be the same. Honestly, Ava, if you're listening, I'm a little bit mostly worried about you. You're 16 now and you're a little bit... <laughs> we need to talk more about money. But there's always there's always the one kid, right? Um, so if you have some budgeting ideas or some of the things that you do to help pay for college, I'm going to talk about paying for college and some pros and cons on how to save for college, but also pay for it throughout the show. Because there's some tricks and things like that we need to talk about. But we have a whole team. We've got over 50 certified financial planners here at EP Wealth. And we actually do have a couple of college planning experts. And oddly enough, since I've always dealt with retirement and, and wealth management, dealing with estate taxes, it's always kind of felt like a little bit of my weakness in the world of CFPs. Um, some people just focus on that and helping people uh, save in order to maximize uh, financial aid and things like that. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that now. So let's let's first talk about saving for a kid's college. I think that you would agree, any, any CFP would agree that, look, you have to make sure your retirement plan is on track before you save for a child's college, right? Because you can't take loans to get through retirement, but your kid could eventually pay off some loans. I had loans. So I had you know, loans going through college that I paid off myself. I didn't have any help for college at all. It's possible. And you know, helping your kid get into a degree program that doesn't rattle, uh, rattle or riddle them with debt. But you know, there's, there's so many programs or degrees out there that people get all of this debt to get like a... English degree. Well, okay, how are you going to pay off all that debt until you're a 10-year college professor and you're, you've been in it forever? And how are you going to budget and pay for those loans and buy a house after that? So you, you got to be smart about the career choice that you get into, right? But before you go opening up a savings plan for your kid's college, make sure you're on track for retirement. Because if you get towards the time of paying for your kid's college and you fill out the financial aid forms, money that's in your 401k 
money that's in the equity in your house, that's not going to, that doesn't hurt you. Whereas a UTMA account, hey, they want, the, they want you to use that to play for college. 529 plan, not quite as bad as a UTMA account, but it's all going to show up. So if you save a, just a little bit for college and your income is low enough, that saving just a little bit for college could screw up a year or two of financial aid. You could have been better served by paying down your home equity line of credit, paying down your mortgage and refinancing, shoving money and hiding it inside your 401k at work and, and, got, and received more financial aid. So before you, you know, the 529 plans, I don't know what they've been around for like 10, 15 years now, it seems like. And I remember that when they first started coming out, I noticed that there was a lot of single moms like my mom that were coming saying, I really want to start saving for my kid's college. And I'm like, no, you need to save for your retirement first. Trust me, I know how it works. <laughs> so, you know, my mom's 72 years old. She's still working for me. She's about to retire finally, but she still had to work through 65. And so look, you, you've got to have your retirement plan on track. And then if your retirement plan's on track, you've done a plan knowing that you're going to have enough money to retire at age 65, 67, 70, whatever it is, and you have excess money to, to, to save in a 529 plan, you've already maxed out your, 40, or your 401k, you've maxed out Roth IRAs, you still have money left over. Congratulations. That's not the majority of America. But if you do, before you start saving for college, you might want to talk to an advisor to find out, will you qualify for financial aid? And unless you can fully fund a 529 plan by the time they get to college, it might hurt you. So keep that in mind. So will you qualify for financial aid? And especially like in a divorce situation, let's say you have a divorce situation where uh, the kids reside with the mom the majority of the time, for example, and uh, you know provides the majority of the care and things like that. Typically, the fast reform is going to be filled out based on that situation where maybe the dad makes the most money. And so there could be ways that the financial aid comes into play, even though maybe dad or in the reverse situation, mom makes a ton of money. So you got to kind of know the financial aid rules too, especially if it's a divorce situation. And by the way, before the kids are 18, you need to make sure that you have an agreement in place and who's going to pay for what. Um, sometimes that's a secondary court issue in a lot of situations like that. You also have to be careful when paying for a kid's college when the funds are given. So there's situations where let's say a kid's going to go to college, it's going to be 30 grand a year. And somebody said, oh, you know what? I'm going to help you with at least $30,000. Well, if that's you know, not apparent, make sure that that's not given until the very end. It shouldn't be the first year tuition. Look, there's so much scholarship and loans and grants and these subsidized loans where you can get a loan, but the government pays your interest for you during your school time. That's like free money. So wait until the end of time. It's not free money because you got to pay the back the principal, but you should accumulate that and continue to fill out the financial aid and then have that person that's going to help you. Maybe it's grandma, aunt, uncle, whatever, pay for that final year of college to help make it sure that the first three or four years financial aid kicks in. All right. And take a look at those subsidized loans. Same thing. Grandparents, you got to be careful. Gifting a child directly to pay for school um, or paying, if you're saying, I'm going to help with one year of tuition or $10,000 a year, it's better to pay 40 in the last year. Just keep that timing in mind. Okay, going back to these 529 plans. 529 plans are a great vehicle for saving for college. And as long as you go to some of the no-load plans like the uh, California's no-load, Tia Cruff, 
uh, Utah's Vanguard plan, Alaska's T. Rowe Place plan. A lot of good no load, never buy these through an advisor and pay a commission. You can get these on your own. And it's invested in no load funds in an age-based way. You put the money in, it's deposited into, if you go like an age-based aggressive portfolio, while the child's young, it's mostly in stocks. As the child ages, it automatically becomes more conservative. So that by the time they go to school, it's mostly bonds and cash. So great investments, very low fees in those no-load ones. And when you pull the money out, as long as you take it out for tuition, books, room, and board, it's completely free of taxes. You don't pay a dime on any of the growth. You can now use it for private high school. And there's certain cases where if the kid's not going to end up in college and they go to culinary school or something like that, there's some possibilities to take it out there. So what we do when we have a, a person or a couple that they're trying to save for kids' college and you know, our financial planning software has a database of all colleges out there. So we know what tuition books room and board is. We typically put a inflation rate on it and we try to shoot for a target so that when the kid's 18, they're funded at no more than 75 to 85%. I used to say 85%, but I'm going to the lower end now of 75% because of more and more options for scholarships that I'm finding out there, especially after working with our college advisors here at EP Wealth. So there's a lot of options out there. So don't overfund these things unless you're doing it for estate planning purposes. Now, I want to talk about this 529 plan tuition, books, room, and board. So for example, if my son is going to University of Hawaii, right? And after the first year he moves off campus, I can't just go get him a super nice condo at the beach for five grand a month and expect to draw that out of a 529 plan. Okay, so keep that in mind. Number one, never going to let that happen. Number two, Neither would the government. So the tuition, books, room, and board, when it's room and board, each college has a stated number that's the expected rate of room and board. And only withdrawals up to that amount are going to qualify for that tax-free withdrawal. So that's a mistake that some people make. And you can pay those expenses and reimburse yourself later out of the 529 plan. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait, I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. Kind of getting off the normal wealth management, retirement planning, estate planning deal and getting into the, the college. It's Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's going to graduation ceremonies and things like that. I tell you what, I don't get the whole thing of let's listen to 575 names being read out loud on a Friday, but we've gone through it twice. <laughs> Just two more to go, I guess. <laughs> this one seemed way longer. I guess. I don't know what it was, but those, those ceremonies are something. Um, so talking about 529 plans. Now, when you fill out financial aid forms, the 529 plan is better than, say, having a UTMA account. The, the, the percentage of it available to pay for college is less than a 529 plan. So it's, it's a better thing. But even better would be, let's say your grandparents, the, the, the child's grandparents are trying to help fund college as well. Rather than them gifting you the money to put into the 529 plan, they can create their own 529 plan in the name of the grandchild. And what's really great about 529 plans is they're a very, very good estate planning tool for grandparents that have a lot of money. Because when you gift something to somebody, 
Each person has the ability to give $15,000 a year to another person. So that means a married couple, if they have a grandchild, they could technically give them $30,000 a year in gifts, right? Uh, but that's it. What's interesting about a 529 plan, oh, so, so what happens if you gift a person over $15,000 as a single person or over thirty dollars as a married couple, you have to file a gift tax return. And a gift tax return, it doesn't mean you owe taxes. It just is a, it's kind of a ledger because we all have the ability to pass on 11, right now, $11.58 million to ours estate tax-free with no inheritance tax at all. So whenever you gift over that $15,000 limit, you file a gift tax return and it eats away at that lifetime credit that I just mentioned, currently $11.58 million. And so that's why you have to file a gift tax return to track that. But what's really cool about a 529 plan is you can gift five years worth of that number, right? Five years worth of that number into a 529 plan. And after five years, even though you still control the account, it's inside your estate. So essentially, a husband and wife, if they have a grandkid, they could dump 150 grand into a 529 plan today. They still have to file a gift tax return showing that they, they did it and they used the five-year time period. But after five years, that money, let's say it grows and grows and grows, it's out of their estate. If they die, there's no estate taxes on it at all. And <clears throat> what's interesting though is, let's say all their other assets somehow go to zero, they invest in something bad, they get swindled. I don't know. The money's always available to them. They could just pull it back into their estate and they would pay taxes and a penalty on the growth, but it is still available to them. But if they died, it would go on to the grandkid without any estate taxes at all. So it's a really good tool for wealthy people, a really good tool. And essentially, you could still do it. Like, if, let's, let's say you're trying to set it up for, uh, you know, multiple generations. You could like drastically overfund a 529 plan because... If, if one family member doesn't use it, let's say you set it up for Johnny and Johnny doesn't use all the money in the 529 plan, but his uh, youngest sister, Sally, is about to go to school. You can, once Johnny's done with school, you can change the beneficiary over to Sally with no issues at all. And then um, she could use it tax-free to pay for education. Okay. And when it comes to 529 plans, I talk to people about this all the time. I know a couple and they were taking their Salesforce ESPPs and um, I'm sorry, not their ESPPs, but their RSUs. And every time their RSUs vested, they were making contributions into the 529 plan. Yet they had a bunch of cash on the sideline and the child was getting a little bit older. And I'm like, you know what? It's better to, to pre-fund and get all of the money into the 529 plan and be done as soon as possible. Because as a child ages it becomes more and more conservative. So like right now, as my son is getting to college, there's a first two years of tuition is just sitting in cash ready to go. And there's a tiny bit that I left in stocks and a little bit and, and the rest of the bonds is going to go bye-bye to pay for that first year. Uh, because the age-based programs, even though you can change it once a year and, and be a little bit more specific, but it becomes more conservative over time. So I talk to people all the time. It's like, by the time the kid's 16, it's not really that helpful to put money into the 529 plan. 
especially if it's close to being fully funded or overfunded. It's, it doesn't really do you any good. You're just putting it in. It's not growing because it's sitting mostly in cash and you're going to turn around and take it back out in two years. So I hope that makes sense. The other thing I want to point out too is let's say your parents, your grandparents, are they're very wealthy and they are dealing with potential estate tax issues and they're very fearful of what Biden's going to do to people that have large estates. And I already mentioned the gifting limits, right? Remember, each person can only give $15,000 a year to another person. So a married couple could give $30,000 to each person. Well, one of the things that you need to note is that if a, a person pays the college institution directly, so in other words, your grandson's going to Stanford and his tuition is $55,000 this year. If you give that 55000 direct to the grandkid, you're going to have to file an estate tax return and it's going to eat away at your lifetime credit. But if you pay Stanford directly, there's nothing that you need to worry about. It doesn't even count as a gift in terms of your lifetime credit. So if somebody has educational costs or healthcare costs and you're paying the institution directly, you can save yourself from eating away at your lifetime credit and your gift tax return issues. So keep that in mind. Another thing I want you to keep in mind is Series EE and Series I, I bonds, U.S. savings bonds. Um, first of all, a lot of the E and E bonds, they, they pay interest for 30 years. After that, they don't grow anymore. So there's no use to holding them. I bonds, they always, you know, again, same, you got a certain rate. They're, long story short is that if, if you own them, if the bonds are used to pay for qualified college expenses, the interest earned is generally free of federal, state, and local taxes. That's very powerful. It's like its own 529 plan. So I'm running into people that years ago when savings bonds were paying 5 and 6%, where they would buy these bonds through payroll deductions at work, and they're coming in and all of a sudden 30 years is up and they're sitting there like they're not earning interest anymore. And so they're having to basically cash them in and pay federal taxes on them. State of California wouldn't tax you. But if there's a way that you can use those savings bonds to pay for college education, qualified tuition, qualified expenses, you can actually avoid the federal tax on it as well. So grandma and grandpa, mom, dad, if you've got those E bond, double E bonds and things like that, that is a great source to pay for college. They work almost like a 529 plan. Hope that makes sense. So that's that's a, that's another way that you can pay for it. Another way that you pay for it is, you know, a lot of people, especially in the Bay Area, they work for companies like Microsoft, Apple, Cisco, KLA Tencore, um, gosh, just all the ones that you're thinking about. So you're like, oh, well, heck, when my kid turns 18, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to transfer my stock to him. He doesn't have any income, so he's going to sell it. He's going to pay the taxes at his bracket. And what's interesting about how capital gains taxes work right now is that when you're single, you can have like, if, if your only source of income is capital gains, you can have like 40 grand or so, 80 as a married couple finally jointly, and still be at a 0% capital gains bracket. That's a pretty high rate of capital gains income where you're still at a zero bracket. But what people forget about all the time is that the government knows this. There is a thing called a kitty tax. So before you do this, talk to your CPA. So the kitty tax is basically for students 19 to 23 years old 
where people were abusing this situation. And th- I mean, these things ga- changed again in 2020. I don't know if there's been a change for 2021 yet, but um, it's a way to make sure that, that kids are not skipping out and getting a lower bracket. If the child's unearned income in 2020 exceeds 2200 bucks, that's the unearned income, then he or she could be subject to this kitty tax. Okay? Um, under the kitty tax rules for 2020 anyways, the child unearned income under 1100 is not taxed. The next 1100 is taxed at the child's rate and any unearned income. So I'm not talking about their job from driving around for Uber Eats or working at Target. Unearned income. That's dividends, interest, and capital gains. Anything over 2200 is then taxed at the parents' rate. Okay? So keep that kitty tax in mind. Now, are there some ways around it? And once the child starts to make over a certain amount of money, and any, if they make a certain amount of money, they have to file their own return anyways. They can't just always get away with their parents' return. Who's claiming them? What's going on? Um, oh, another way around this, though, guys, is that if you're trying to do this, Again, don't be afraid for the kids to get loans because let's say they go through school, they go to grad school, and then after age 24, 25, they then wait to sell the stock that you gifted them into a brokerage account or you gift it to them after they turn 24. Then they sell it. They're escaping the kitty tax because they're over 23. Then they sell it and they're at a very low rate because they just started a brand new job, just fresh out of college then they use that money to pay off loans. And effectively, especially if Biden gets his way on capital gains, you could transfer the capital gains to a person that has a much lower rate than if you were to sell the stock and use that to fund college. So a couple of different ways to, uh, to get things done if you do it correctly. But be aware of that kitty tax. The other thing I wanted to mention about the 529 plans, two things that change. One, one I already mentioned, two things that changed in 2017 it's allowing people to take money out of 529 plans to pay for private education. So K through 12. All right. So you can do that as well as uh, college cost qualified, you know, tuition books, room and board. The other thing that happened under the secure act of 2019 is 529 plans. Um, you can also pull out up to $10,000 to pay down student debt. So that is also now a qualified expense. Uh, Savingforcollege.com is a really good place to go to find out about 529 plans and compare them and things like that. Um, I've got the Utah plan. I think that's a great plan. It's through Vanguard. It doesn't matter which state you're in. Um, I just started using that a lot because back when I did, the California plan was controlled by Fidelity and I didn't really like it that much. I do like Fidelity. But back then, I just didn't like the plan as much. The Fidelity plan had a, in terms of investment choices and fees, the Utah 529 plan was just better. So I started using that. Um, oh, my oldest was actually in the Alaska plan because I love T. Rowe Price and their funds. Um, so I have one Alaska, two T. Rowe Price. Um, I'm sorry, one T. Rowe Price through Alaska and two California 529 plans. Um, but you can check them all out at savingforcollege.com couple other things to talk about, you know, besides saving money in college and, and working, I mean, heck, get them, and Uber Eats, I think, lets people drive at age 18. So there's a way to jump on and make money at various hours of the day. Just when you want to work, you just turn on your phone and your app and you can work for Uber Eats. So if they have a car, that's an option. 
one of the reasons why we're visiting the campus soon for University of Hawaii because I doubt a car is going to be usable there, affordable because things are so expensive over there. Um, Work-study programs. This is something that uh, I did too. In addition, when I was going to Portland State, was wrestling there, but also a little scholarship money and did some work-study program. It's kind of like you, you work, but you get paid, but it's within the school. So those things are available. Fill out the FAFSA form every single year. Don't forget. Don't be late on that. There's always available out there, especially like those subsidized loans that where the, inter- the government pays the interest for you. There is some really good apps out there that help students find the best scholarships. And I will say that there's been something that I've said on air before, which is actually false, where it's some some kind of a rumor that went on, like only like 30% of scholarship money available was awarded each year. That's actually not true. Most of that's available to be awarded is, is can be, it gets awarded these days. A um, couple of apps that are out there, there's Scholarship Advisor. There is College Raptor, like a dinosaur, R-A-P-T-O-R. And of course, scholarships.com has one. Scholly, S-C-H-O-L-L-Y is an app. And then Scholarship Owl has pretty decent ratings. So check those out. You can just pop on, have your kid open the app on his cell phone or her cell phone. And you could submit to hundreds of scholarships with a single application. And uh, so some really good options out there. It's, it's great that those, those, those tools were around when I was younger, that's for sure. I also talked a little bit about gift gifting today and what's called a gift tax when you gift a certain a single person over $15,000 a year. Again, the ways to avoid that, gifts to charity, of course, you can make in any amount that you want and then you can deduct it. In most cases, over five years if you don't have enough income right away. Um, the 529 plan has a little extra that you can gift. You can, again, pay for a person's educational costs or healthcare costs without dealing with the state taxes. So look, if you're a wealthy person and you're looking at your estate and it's over the amounts that I talked about, $11.58 million, but that's going to be cut in half automatically anyways in 2026. And so you're saying, okay, well, the gift amount is really high right now. Maybe I should do some gifting now. Yeah, I mean, there's Dynasty Trust, there's Gratz, there's uh, um, GST Trust. There's a lot of things that you can do to lock in that gift credit, but still retain some control of assets and protection. But one of the easiest things to do is gift people directly or pay for their healthcare costs, pay for their educational costs. And and help them out that way. That's an immediate use. But I, I, I want to, again, kind of stress that, look, sometimes you gifting somebody a bunch of money to pay for education, if they're going to qualify for financial aid and that shows up on the FAFSA form, can, can hurt them. Same thing goes with if you leave money to a person in your will or trust that has special needs and they're qualified for government assistance and programs. You could actually screw that up if you don't do it properly in a special needs trust. Look, estate planning is a little bit difficult right now because we don't know what the changes are going to be. But you definitely need a plan and you need to know kind of what the options are if estate planning laws change significantly. And what it looks like is that the amount that you can leave might stay the same 
for a few years and then drop. But what's true is that the step up in basis, the idea that you can leave all your stocks and all your real estate to your kids. And when, when you die, they get a step up in basis. They could turn around and sell everything tax-free. Those days are probably going to be gone soon because we got all of these stimulus packages. Another one's still coming down the pike. Somebody's got to pay for it. It can't just continue to accumulate debt like this. Same thing goes with your kid's college. Before you let them sit there and accumulate a ton of debt, you got to go through the economics of their degree. Like if they're getting you know, $100,000 debt to get a degree in something that's going to get them maybe sixty dollars to $80,000 a year in an area that they can't afford to live, not a good use of your money or their time. So be realistic about that as well. Make sure you're breaking the proper educational investments. Please tell a friend about the show. Thank you very much for listening. You can find me at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. Submit a meeting request there. I got a team of me and over 50 other certified financial planner practitioners, fee-only, fiduciary-based financial planning and money management. We use TD Ameritrade, Schwab, and Fidelity's custodians, so probably don't even have to move your money. And find us at chadburton.com. Have a great day, everyone. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.